It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 49 of the Redirect Podcast. It's Friday, June 15th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Ashley and Patrick from the Black Truck team. Hey, gang. Hey. Hello. We took a week off. Yeah. I was gone. Search Love Boston. I'll talk a lot more about that in a bit here, but uh, we took a little little hiatus there with uh, various business travels and stuff, so it's, it's difficult to sit down together as a group. And let's be real, it doesn't sound the same unless we're all sitting in the same room. That's so, right. You know. A lot of things uh, moving and shaking, though. I heard a lot of great things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a few uh, bits and pieces that I took away from Search Love on this episode. Um, SMX Advance out in Seattle was this week. A lot of chatter going on there in the industry. We are headed to MozCon in July as a, an entire group. I don't know if we'll get fancy and record while we're out there, I'm, but, you know, if the microphone finds its way in my bag... <laughs> Maybe we'll make that happen. So that friend of ours from across the pond, I imagine he could be an interesting uh, totally. contribution. Uh, totally, totally. Especially if if it's after hours. I think <laughs> I think we're gonna get him on. Uh, I th- oh, we have the outtakes coming up. Maybe I don't know. But I think we have we have Lev Andy coming up uh, on a future episode here too, amongst uh, um, a couple others that have um, confirmed. But I'm not going to tell you who they Ooh. are yet. So, but really great other industry professionals. So. Pat, you said you uh, had some some nitty gritty you wanted to. Yeah, I want to talk about following the rules mm. of yeah, let's like of left and right. Exactly, <laughs> talking about getting to work on time, washing your office plates. That's good. Everybody's here, so yeah. so on time. Washing out your skunky beer bottles when you leave them on the counter. Just, I want to talk about AdWords automated rules. Hmm. Uh, so uh, something I, you've been playing around with yeah, more and more. I accidentally discovered they exist. Um, so it started off when I inadvertently overpromised on a campaign concept. Mm-hmm. Um, a client of ours has several events planned out in the next ninety oh, days. Oh yeah, a lot of events. A lot of different things coming on there. Weekend events, weekday events, various times, different audiences. And I was like, oh, I'll just create a separate campaign and set up scheduled ad groups inside. So I, I made this campaign and I started building ad groups. And I was like, hey, Jason, what, where's, where's the scheduling for ad groups? And you're like, I don't think, I don't think we can do that. I'm like, oh, let's go down a wormhole. And um, everything I found said that it, that option doesn't exist. Doesn't exist, right. It does not right. exist. You can't just simply go in and schedule an ad group to start on Wednesday and conclude next Thursday. Typically it happens at the campaign, the campaign level, level, which yep. is what most people know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything I found said it didn't exist. Searching all over the place, finding, you know, no solution. I stumbled across an old uh, AdWord forum. Uh, the Q and Q and A stuff. Oh, tw- 2012. Yeah, 2012 helpful articles. Old, old uh, interface stuff. You know, in kind of Google's defense, the new interface has only been around for less than 12 months. Mm-hmm. So a lot of legacy content out there for that. Um, but I found a thread where someone asked basically that exact question, and all the answers said, "No, you can't do that." The best answer was chosen, and then basically it was. Set by the wayside, it's forgotten about, and 
Years later, a guy commented and said, oh, no, you can totally do that. Just set up a rule, an automated rule. Here, it's, this is how you do it. And then very shortly thereafter, an admin came in and commented right behind him. So came in, this is an old post. No one's going to see it. Take your great answer somewhere else. Fascinating. And yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> so then I, I started trying to find it more, and there's no information out there on how to set up these rules on the new interface or where it even exists because it's, it used to be loud and proud and prevalent on the mm, interface mm-hmm, according mm-hmm. to all the great things I found in the old one. Um, but it's, it's actually not really that hidden in the new interface. You just basically go up to the wrench at the top and, um, and the wrench under, um, you know, walk us through this? Yeah, my There's notes. probably a new version of yeah. AdWords available. Yeah, new, <laughs> so in the wrench at the top, um, and then, gosh dang it. The gear, yeah, actually. The gear. No, it's the wrench, not the gear. Oh, the, oh, the wrench right the by wrench. for reporting and things the like that? The wrench at the top. Yeah, in the wrench under bulk action, the second option down is the rules. Inside rules, um, if you have any pre-existing rules established, they'll be in there. Um, but the options that you have to make up these custom automated rules um, can be a campaign, ad group level, keywords, ad rules, like the ads themselves, mm-hmm. um, display keywords, regular keywords, or search keywords, um, different topic rules, placement rules, audience rules, age range rules, gender rules, parental status rules, wow. and income range rules. Hello. And you can set these up with uh, one time, multiple time, various times throughout the day. There's what I found. It looks like there's hundreds of different ways that you could set up these automated rules. Uh, I found a blog post uh, and um, a two-minute video of uh, how-to from older from another search agency online, and uh, made note of a couple of great ideas of where you could do this. One of them is. Uh, Automatically pause keywords that aren't producing conversions, mm-hmm. what he referred to as deadweight keywords. Nice. Um, another one is increase or decrease bids on certain keywords when they aren't reaching the expectations or drop onto a certain page one position. So, mm. like if you're averaging, like let's say you want yours to always be like no lower than um, 1.2 yeah, or something yeah, or 1.5, mm-hmm. something like that. You can set it to adjust the bid to up or down if you want to cancel it. Another neat thing is you can set up these automations to either send you a notification via email, say, hey, this is going on, please review, or take action. Yeah, and which I think the the, the uh, automated rules are really great, especially for those who are being budget conscious, mm-hmm. especially with lately the the um, doubling of budget daily spend that we know mm-hmm. Google can do. You know, If you don't have a tool in place, uh, a pacing tool, right. That, that can help you control that or keep tabs on it, that's a really great way to say, you know, you, you get a quick update to say, oop, like th- this hit our threshold or mm-hmm. it overspent. It's not, or it's not out of line, but mm-hmm. um, to let you know. But I, I think really what you've done with it is, is been great to say start, stop. And it actually, um, the, rule, the rule works more effectively than what I've noticed from an auto start date on a campaign previously i've tested a lot of auto start dates on campaigns and i don't trust them because i've had them that fail Mm -hmm. meaning they won't start yeah where the rules very much start and stop but it's because that campaign is already running so i think it's it's you know to to further validate your point 
things that you want to have happen inter-campaign is, is I think it's really great. Yeah. And, I, and I think we certainly have been using them more. Um, I think more people should use them um, depending, you know, depending on your, yeah, your I'm definitely going to dig into some of these further options and move forward. I think it just, mm-hmm. it's a tool that you can keep in your toolbox that it, you know, you can use it and take advantage of it. And especially the more you use it, the more refined you can get this, you know, don't get me wrong. This isn't round of appeal. Don't set it and forget it. No, you know, no. It's still yeah. monetary, but yep. it's, um, you still, um, I mean, these events, I scheduled 60 days worth of events. My next event doesn't start till August 24th that I at the build out, you know, so I have yeah, and events built that are going to start and stop all the keywords are in there. My bids are set. And I would, I would just, I think the caveat is, is that there is going to be some skepticism as to whether or not it oh, works. I'm checking it daily. So yeah, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, it's monitored daily. We, we've also done a series of tests right. before we said, well, yeah. let's roll it out. Test. Over sixty days to see how this is going to work, Always but test. you want to—you you certainly want to try it before you buy it. Right. <laughs> and uh, um, so, if there's ever anything that you are feeling skeptical about, I think that that's a good uh, uh, a good approach is mm-hmm. run a small test, see if it works, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and go from there. So that's really great. I have yeah. heard too. Um, scripts are another thing that we could another thing we could discuss in future episodes. But I have uh, heard of people applying rules and scripts together. So. Uh, the the one that I'm the most intrigued about is being able to pull weather data in, mm-hmm. which is difficult because you're leveraging third party data sources. But perhaps I run a company that is um, dependent on. This is sad, I know, but it happens. Natural disasters or mm-hmm. rain, snow. You're an umbrella manufacturer. Yeah, exactly. Yes, correct. I'm an umbrella manufacturer, <laughs> and I want to sell more umbrellas when there is bad weather or right. inclement weather coming. So if inclement weather, then increase bids by 25%. So you have the combination of the rule and the script. So the script basically scrapes or pulls data that says, oh, it's going to rain, push the rule of plus 20 or 25% bid strategy in that region. You see that at street vendors all the time. Those umbrellas suddenly go 50% mm-hmm. more expensive mm-hmm. as soon as it yep. starts raining. That's right. Totally. And then umbrella, pushed, umbrella, you know, umbrella, the, umbrella. The basket of umbrellas gets pushed closer to the door so the people on the street can see it. <laughs> this is good. Well, there's your offline tech. Now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool, cool. All right. So a little bit of recent news before I really dive into my actual topic is that uh, Google My Business recently rolled out agency dashboards yes and um so far the uh sentiment has been not so great about it so the the benefit of this agency dashboard is that you can manage more than 100 properties um as an agency where instead of there if you did it the old way you were limited um to under 100 properties and (coughs) What I've seen from people who've been trying to migrate their existing properties over to this dashboard is just, like, not working. It seems to be a little bit of a headache. A headache. It's a pain point, it yeah. seems. It's yeah. not real seamless. Yeah. So I have uh, put that on hold because the way that we've been doing it has been working just fine. Um, but I have seen some chatter among industry folks on Twitter saying that, you know, if you currently don't have any sort of agency level involvement in your clients' campaigns where you might be managing through your clients' logins or something like that where you want to um, 
start an actual agency presence, I guess, managing Google, my business listings that you can start with this agency hmm. setup and you should have no problem because you're not yeah. actually migrating your it's refreshing the game. Right? Yeah. I think the other, the other place where it will probably make a significant impact, hopefully, or it's, it's an end roads. Um, when, uh, for those that are running that, that both have, let's say tabs on their local presence, um, and you want to link that data with Google AdWords, that's where it becomes a challenge because let's say you have, say I have, I'm a retailer, I have 10 stores, we're running, we're running AdWords, my agency is running AdWords and we want to link, as the agency, we want to link to Google My Business. The problem is, is that you actually either need to be set as the owner of that, which makes a lot of businesses, like that's a real mm -hmm. Uh, touchy. Yeah. That's a real touchy thing. Like I'm, I'm turning ownership over, yeah, even okay. though you could revert it back, right? Mm -hmm. Like the agency can provide ownership back. Um, and a lot of times it, it needs to be accessed. The AdWords site needs to be accessed through the email address that's actually associated with as the owner of GMB. I think probably, I think, I don't know, we'll test it with a couple coming up. We have a couple cases actually coming up where we'll be able to test it, where that integration will probably be much easier. I would put a considerable amount of donations into a hat that says that's the real reason why we're seeing uh, some sort of an agency panel there is that... Um, Advertisers need to be connected mm. to GMB data mm -hmm. and can't without a real weird workaround. Yeah. So that could be an easier solution. You know, yes, it feels like a headache to get them connected, but once it is, then you can manage the push and pull of data from AdWords and, and GMB. Cool. Well, we'll keep an eye on it and share some updates as we as we come across them. Sweet. Yeah. So what I wanted to talk about today is. Um, Content and user experience. You're talking about content? Oh, weird, huh? And user experience? <laughs> so we've, we've written on our blog about human-centered SEO before, and yes. we often preach about the importance, or I would say necessity, of human-centered content. And I've been working on a blogging best practices guide to share with our clients that touches on some technical SEO best practices related to blogging, but also covers some basic tips on creating content that matters basically um, content that matters for your site yes but most importantly content that matters for your audience and so as we know um, SEO has evolved over time to be you know more than just using the right keywords or being associated with the right keywords through links of course that's still part of it but it's not necessarily a game of whoever uses the most keywords wins or whoever uses or whoever accumulates the most links wins um, I actually listened to a, a really interesting podcast from Seth Godin, um, his new podcast, Akimbo. I'll link to that in the show notes that kind of covers the short history of how Google works and how it has changed over time. So I'll link that. Um, this is kind of going to be like a weaving around before I get to my final point, I guess. But Jason, you have mentioned in the past the role of SEO and brand. Mm -hmm. And we both listened to the Moz Pod on the role of SEO in, in branding. And the Akimbo podcast I mentioned touches on this as well. 
Um, I stumbled upon an article this week as all these thoughts were going through my head, and it's from a website, um, UX Matters, and it's called The Role of Content and User Experience. And it hits on a few important points to consider for content that can also contribute to your SEO and your brand perception. Um, so I would say the number one rule to remember when creating content for your website is to create something you yourself would find value in if you were in that audience. And, mm. you know, if you wouldn't be interested in it, don't publish it. That's right. And I'd say that's pretty easy, but in a world where we're still coming off this idea of like, you need to be churning out content. I think we're, you know, we're leaning more towards quality than quantity, which mm -hmm. is great. But I think a lot of people still subscribe to that idea of like, I need to be publishing. I need to be publishing. Don't publish just for the sake of publishing. And yeah. go ahead. That's a great concept. How, it, you know, on the other side, it's uh, us as uh, an agency here, we're sometimes writing content for some of our clients. Yes. And we're not necessarily sure we're writing something that that SE or that CEO would, would read. Well, know. but I think I think that I and that's where I would probably push back a little bit on that notion, Ashley. Too is that um, 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 what what we would write as individuals as personalities mm -hmm. versus what the audience and and right. so the just making sure that we that we understand the I guess let's set reset the tone of that is that you need to understand your peoples and your audience. And right. so understand where they're at, how they're searching, what they're looking for and things right. like that. And then put yourself in their shoes, Pat, to your point yeah. to say, you might not approach it and say, I'm going to produce a piece of content around this because I'm not interested in it. You're not the audience. So we really right. have to um, vet whether it's interview, talk to people who are buying those types of product services and really understand it. So right. I'll I'm digress. sorry. I meant to qualify that. So if you were in that audience, you know, would you find this interesting? Mm -hmm. Right. That's mm -hmm. what I meant. Okay. To, to that's why I think those conversations are very important is that you, you pick the phone up. So right. even if you are an agency working on behalf of your client, are you having those discussions with the end user? Are you able to have those discussions with the end user to say, what about this? Why that? Uh, what if? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not that could hold you back from really that, producing that next level content. Right, right. Content that's actually going to be useful. Yeah, 10x, right? Right. That's the, the other theme, buzzword. Yes. So um, beyond publishing content that's going to be helpful to your audience, um, there are some other areas to consider in this, this article that I found from UX Matters. Um, they touched on the idea of first impressions, um, so once somebody lands on your content, um, an element of personalization, and this could be as simple as regional personalization. It, you know, it's not necessarily like, hi, Patrick, welcome to our website. Mm -hmm. But if you're a company that serves people in multiple markets across the country, make sure that you're using dialect that is really going to speak to people mm -hmm. who land there from that specific region, um, talk like the locals do. And this bridges the connection and makes them feel more inclined to keep engaging with you because you've made, I mean, you know, this is going a couple levels deep, but you've made that effort to connect with them, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, where they're coming from. And it's just going to be in a, a subconscious, like, Oh, I'll keep, I'll keep reading. 
And then um, as far as first impressions, also avoiding marketing speak. That can be a negative trigger or might signal spam um, using phrases that are too extreme, such as number one, we're the number one such and such. Like there's a, there's a time and a place to be touting yourself, but that can really turn people off. Or call to action like do it today. Or I don't know if you've ever come across those pages that somehow, I guess if a website's been hacked or something's going on that shouldn't be your your page reloads and you get those congratulations mm-hmm. you've won an amazon gift card and so if you have some kind of messaging along the lines of congratulations you found us or something like that mm-hmm. um you know it's going to turn people off so think about when you're writing those calls to action or you know trying to invite people to engage with you on a deeper level think think about and consider and use from going back to your point jason real world experience and interaction with your audience think about what your audience really wants to hear and incorporate that into your content and it will be different depending on what your specific offerings are and then the last point is creating staying power and getting people to return and it's going to be the quality um, which i know is a loaded word i guess but the quality (laughs) of your content Um, great content is what will keep your audience engaged. And if what you produce and share is low quality or otherwise doesn't meet the needs of or the expectations of your audience, they're not going to want to keep interacting with you. And so really investing that time and understanding what people are looking for and what people need, what people expect, and how that relates to what you can offer them through your content on your website, um, that can not only... impact how you interact with one particular person who might land on your site, but then that can also become part of your overall brand reputation. So I'm trying to circle it back, I guess, um, and say that, you know, creating content that is useful, that, that people want to share and that, um, shows the value that you offer as a brand, as a company, as an organization, um, that's going to contribute to your overall reputation and this kind of all loops back into the idea of seo contributing to brand because seo brings people to your website Mm -hmm. providing Mm -hmm. good content will keep them on your website that will contribute to you know your your um, engagement um and you know people wanting to spend more time with you and so and obviously a more engaged user or a more engaged audience is something that's being recorded by google so exactly so that's all I have to say I like, about that. But I, well, I like I think I think there's another good point to pull out there too. You touched on it a little bit with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the mention of um, talking uh, more the language that your users mm-hmm. um, use and speak with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had this discussion a number of times with with various companies, and over the years of doing what we do here at Black Truck is that. While your brand has a certain tone, tone is different voice, um, if you will, There, you might have a way that you talk about your services. That's not necessarily how your customer base talks about the services or searches for the services. So while we want to have um, brand inflection might be mm-hmm. the phrase that I sure. use, there's a fine line between does anybody really understand what you do? Because we're talking in, in, um, not in circles, but we're, we're talking very vaguely about it. 
mm-hmm. versus just being right up front and call it what it is and talk about it more, um, you know, openly. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be my biggest advice if we were to match that up with what you've you've talked about in developing really really great content that resonates with uh, a customer base. Is like, man, you really have to get in and understand how they're looking for it, why they're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Does your content? Is your content even remotely associated with that? The answer is no. It's time to reevaluate right. that. No different than quality score. In AdWords, it, we could see a quality score that's really poor, and literally it could be changing a few keywords on the landing page to get that quality score mm-hmm. to change. So it's no different than what you might do from, from changing the language in SEO world. So no, that's great. Good share. Good find. I think there's uh, additional uh, there's some additional blog content coming up from from everybody here. So um, I'm gonna wrap this this episode up. You know, having just returned from uh, Search Love Boston this last week, did a solo trip out there. My head's still kind of reeling with a lot of great information. Had a little bit of time here and there to digest my notes, and there are a lot of excellent speakers this year out there. Um, hats off to the team at Distilled. If you're not familiar with Search Love, it's it's um, a series of events put on by the team at Distilled, which is a London-based SEO firm, a couple other locations here in the States, but really great event if you're looking for in-the-weeds SEO knowledge share, thought leadership. Um, you know, it's where you're going to go and sit through a 45-minute presentation on server log file analysis and things like that. So if, if that's not your thing, but um, <laughs> I digress. Um, so looking over my notes, looking at the highlights and areas, what I'm doing, and I'm still going through a lot of them, I took a, a, actually a good amount of notes, is that what I see that kind of surfaces at the top and, and that I can highlight is it's in line with not only the trends that we've been talking about for 2018 or maybe even before we got to 2018 and beyond, but really, from my perspective, it makes logical sense from a search marketing uh, direction and where Google is headed. So a lot of that started with uh, the the kind of the kickoff to everything was Will Critchlow, the CEO, just still talking about um, his talk was from the horse's mouth, what we can learn from Google. And this talk was very much on keeping an eye on and reading the output of Google. So what they're saying, whether it's patents, whether it's what, you know, John Mueller has been doing a lot more uh, like webmaster style hangouts and ask, I call them ask John, but, but what Will cautions is, is that you really need to keep your own audience and your own processes in check when you're looking at what they're saying. It's that notion of, am I going to chase the algorithms or am I going to continue to do good online marketing to grow SEO? And, um, what Will's saying is it's in, and I'm a believer in this is it's, it isn't always the reality. So what what Google is saying isn't always necessarily true. So you need to have some chops in the space to be able to back up, you know, what you're going to do and the strategies you're going to deploy. So um, I, I'm not saying don't believe Google, like don't believe the hype, but maybe proceed with caution if you're going to believe the hype. You know, if Google says tomorrow we're going to switch to only indexing 160 character um, meta page descriptions. Don't make a knee jerk reaction. Right. Get pissed and go and, and change all of your stuff back. Right. If 
if Google, I made the reference before about subdomains, I think it was in episode 48 maybe or 47, talking about subdomains and whether or not Google renders those the same as directories and, and folders. I will argue that point all day long, that that is not a great approach, but Google's going to say it's okay. I don't think it is. So you got to have some wherewithal to navigate those waters. So standouts from search love, I'll get off my soapbox because I think what Will hit, hit on was really, really great was um, biggest thing was not voice search. Voice search was touched on once <laughs> in two days of search love Boston. Oh, is it starting to fade out? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe plateau. I'm not sure. Oh, oh looks yeah. like that's not panning out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So we might have to eat crow on that as Pat's, Pat's prediction at huh. the beginning of the year. <laughs> However, and really, no discussion about mobile first index. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna. Uh, we're gonna see a lot more of that with uh, when we all go to uh, MozCon. Excited to have some conversations with former guest of the redirect, Cindy Crum, talking about. Uh, the the mobile first index. Uh, I think her talk is specifically on entities and the mm. concept of entity first versus mobile first or any other device first. But um, so the big things were that I picked up on were structured data is probably the biggest thing that should be at the forefront of your discussions huh. and certainly on a checklist when developing a new site. Um, that's a prime opportunity to deploy such a strategy, whether you're going to go, if you're going to go through and make revisions and do some updating and things like that. Um, you know, the biggest language is going to be uh, uh, definitely JSON LD. This has uh, superior organization to other, other forms and you don't have to include everything if you don't want to. It's, it's not necessarily needed like it used to be. So there's certainly going to be some more information out there. Ruth Burr-Reedy uh, had a really great talk about actually um, firing uh, a lot of structured data through Google Tag Manager. Oh. So instead of doing structured data inline, using Google Tag Manager uh, to go with that approach. So, so there's certainly some, uh, some interesting things to, uh, to, to touch on there. Um, the other things uh, are JavaScript versus HTML. Um, some really great insights there. Uh, I guess a, a reference would be in terms of the amount of time that it takes and the resources that it takes Googlebot to get through, say, flat HTML versus JavaScript. A lot of sites now have are heavy JS. Mm -hmm. HTML is like eating a, uh, it's like a ready to eat cake, where uh, JS, the Google browser, so Google and your browser, have to do all the steps involved to make the cake before you can eat the cake. If that makes sense. Ah. So in order to get through JS and render everything, it actually takes a lot more bandwidth to load, and so like the median phone. To load, so mobile. Talking about mobile, the median phone. Some tests have shown 19 seconds to load to first paint. So first paint being the first actual content that's rendered that's worth value. Um, that was kind of a big WTF moment for me. I'm like, who the hell is waiting 19 seconds no, for content no to load? Way. Nobody is. Site's broken. I'm, I'm moving on. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
So um, Greg Gifford from Dealeron did a fantastic job and killed it with this, I don't know, over 100 slide <laughs> presentation on local search. Probably one of the most, you know, along with like Google Shopping, probably one of the most volatile areas right now. There's a lot of changes, Ashley, as you've talked about before on local search and what does it look like to try and rank, you know, really well in local search. Uh, you know, things such as proximity, uh, where are you getting your business listings from and things like that. So some really interesting um, things like that coming out. Uh, there's certainly some things that I can't necessarily talk to because Distilled has a, a nice thing called Give It Up that we can't talk about those things. So, so that's okay. Um, but I think that, too, there there were a couple things that, that always come up. Uh, GDPR was brought up a, a number of times. But it was almost like nobody really gave a rat's ass mm-hmm. about GDPR either. It came and went. Yes. Well, has, so the implications are ongoing. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is, and I think that's this. That's the deal. And you know, in our discussions with legal teams and things like that, nobody really knows yet what's what's going on. So the only other one I wanted to touch on because it, it really loops back to a number of things that Pat has touched on before, and that's um, um, visual search, image search, looking beyond keywords. Jess Schultz uh, really touched on this, uh, but her focus was primarily on image recognition. And this really opened my mind to not image search, but image recognition. Um, the, the real key takeaway there that I'm going to leave you guys with is image search. So text-based image searching to explain what you're looking, what you are looking for is very challenging. It's very limited versus I could scan or take a photo with my phone and say, find me five more of these or find me something like this. The context there versus how we can verbalize what we're seeing is so far removed from one another that there's a lot of future happening there. Mm. And it's beyond image alt tags. This is very oh, yeah. much like spatial recognition. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. It's all those security yes. tests that we have to do before we log in. To- <laughs> and I'll tell you, what does it all come back to? Captions. Marking up your images with structured data. Mm. So again, structured data is certainly um, what we have going on in the search world, if you're not having those discussions with your team, um, man, have them uh, start to understand how you're going to weave that into your site. Um, you know, you need to to be smart in in your marketing moving forward here. And so, what she really nailed on was like, you know, we're such a visual society, and and cutting out the keyword step from the customer journey. Is is like I think we're on the cusp. I think is where she's she's going with this. Is we're right on the cusp, especially when it comes to shopping and commerce. Mm-hmm. We're on the cusp of cutting out the actual keyboard to say, you know, I want to buy this. Hmm. It's the the opportunity. There uh, there are some apps out there, and there's certainly some retailers that talk about GDPR nightmare. Can I take a photo of someone walking down the street? And say, I want that outfit. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I don't think that's the future. That's pretty much a reality for some things that I've seen. So, um, you know, can we search by camera? How do you create that into a better experience? Um, And then um, AR, not giving people a reason to look at their phone, 
the concept is to give a people people a reason to look through their phone. So you're using your phone much. You're much more immersed in the experience hmm. uh, to be able to see what's going on there. Would so, you just describe like a people walking down the street in a urban setting, and people yeah. passing by like a little tag above them saying, "This blouse is from Target." Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking AR. Yeah. That was in Back to the Future too. I think it yeah. was actually. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of really a uh, lot of interesting stuff to happen. Again, um, uh, our entire team in in just a few weeks will be out in Seattle. Um, any of our listeners, if you're in Seattle, we'd love to love to connect while we're there at MozCon. Um, so do check out show notes, listen to previous episodes of the Redirect Podcast. And until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.